Welcome everyone. This is our family series on our StarNet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. And I am excited um, because today I get to talk to one of my colleagues, Cecilia. Um, And so Cecilia, um, good afternoon, good morning. I'm not sure when our listeners are listening to this, but how are you today? I'm doing great, how are you? You're doing good. Um, So I know that as um, StarNet employees, we don't often share a whole lot about who we are or maybe our backgrounds, but um, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are um, as a mother and a little bit about your family. All right. So Annie mentioned my name is Cecilia and um, my background is in early childhood education. Um, I have my bachelor's degree with a 04 certificate, which I know is like ancient now. Um, and it's all changed since I've graduated college, but um, I have two children. I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, and um, I'm going to share with you about my nine-year-old today. Um, she kind of really got us started into this um, this world of understanding, I don't know, just early childhood in general was my passion, and, and I knew kids based on my experiences in the classroom, but then having my own, it was a completely different um, experience as, as I'm sure you can imagine. It's different when they are in your home and your own baby. Um, so you get a little bit more vested um, in, in their outcomes. So um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. I've been married to my husband for, uh, oh gosh, I always get it wrong. He's the one that knows the anniversary. How terrible is that? Uh, 13 years. Um, we've been together 16. We had our daughter after we were married for four years. Um, she was completely full-term, healthy, nothing um, major happened at birth, so all that was normal. Um, she was born a week early, really nothing nothing special to note there, but when she was about three, we noticed that she was not um, running like a typical child would run. She would run with her knees in and her feet kicking out, and she wasn't able to ride a bike, and she never climbed, and um I mentioned it to our pediatrician several times, and they just kind of brushed me off, um, said that we don't worry about the child's gait until age seven. And I'm going, okay, but I teach young children, and I see young children every day, and comparing my child to to these other children, she's not typically developing in her gross motor skills. And I, being a first-time mom, did not push. I very much was like, okay, he's the doctor. He knows what he's talking about. So I kind of just let it slide for a little bit. And then finally at age five, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're still not running. We're still not riding a bike. We are still not climbing. And you're telling me that I have to wait till seven. And so I went in for an appointment and I got kind of, I guess, pushy. I just had enough because I was sick of seeing her fall behind her peers and not get what she needed. And so um, my advocacy for her started about, about them, which people are like, you wait till age five. Oh my gosh. But it happens. Um, so I first pushed time parent, right? Yeah, like first time parent, I very much believe the doctors knew, um, what, and I thought, well, okay, I'm only seeing children in the classroom and maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, and I doubted myself. I didn't have that, that second time mom experience where I'm like, nope, I know. And you're going to fix it. So, um, I, I let them bully me probably the first five years. I'll just say that. And I ended up switching pediatricians after this because I took her to physical therapy. I finally got the referral from him. Um, he very When he wrote it, he's like, I'm giving you this, but I really don't think this is necessary. I think you're wasting your time. I said, that's fine, but I need to know. I need to hear from somebody who knows physical development like this. I'm like, sorry, but we're going. So we went and the um, physical therapist assessed her and said, why didn't you come in sooner? She said, she's got, um, she's, look, no, she's flat-footed. And she has hypermobility. And she showed me she could take um, Violet's foot 
and push her big toe back to her shin. And she said that normal children can't do that. And I was like, well, that's kind of what I thought, but I was told that, that we don't worry about this yet. And she's like, no, that's not normal. So she um, got us these inserts for her shoes and she, Violet went and saw her regularly for gosh, probably about two years. And wouldn't you know it, she started running. Um, she didn't start riding her bike until oddly till she was nine, but that's more because Violet um, is a very cautious child. She doesn't like <laughs> to take risks. So um, she just now started riding her bike, which it's kind of funny to me because she's been capable. She's had the balance. We've She now, you know, when she runs, her knees aren't going in. Um, and one thing I know, she used to W sit a lot, which is where they sit with their knees together and their legs sticking out. And the physical therapist said that's how she finds balance because she had compensated for her feet with her hips. And so she was so used to relying on that for balance and not her feet for balance that it, it impacted everything. Well, and, and then being who I am, I started researching and I realized, well, that kind of impacts brain development as well because they're not crossing midline. They're not doing all the things they need to build those neural pathways. So when she got to kindergarten and they were like, well, she's, she's really struggling with picking up words and, and sight words and letters. And I'm like, well, she's in kindergarten. You know, I was like, let's, let's be honest. They really don't, the brain's not ready to read till seven, but okay, I get it. But as we got older and went up in grade, she kept falling further behind in that. And so I, I attribute a lot of it to the, the lack of the gross motor skills for so long. She didn't, didn't do all that. And I think that impacted how she later developed into her reading and math skills. So we get to third grade and Vi is still um, behind in reading and math. And everybody's like, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And I'm going, no, it is a big deal because we're getting to the age now where her brain is going to change in development and it's going to be harder for her to pick up these skills. So it is a big deal to me. And um, finally, I decided I was going to um, send the school a letter and request a evaluation for an IEP because she'd been in, um, uh, what do they call it? Um, oh gosh, my brain just left me. Like the RTI system? Yeah, RTI, thank you. That was exactly what it was, RTI. She'd been in RTI since kindergarten and we'd make a little bit of progress and then we'd fall way behind and then we'd make a little bit of progress and we'd fall way behind. And it was like, okay, RTI is obviously not meeting her need. Um, she's She would get A's in class, but then she would get really terrible low scores on these assessments they were doing. And I'm like, I don't understand how we're passing our classes, but we're not passing the assessments. What's going on? Well, they grade at the child's level. So that's how she was passing us because they were adapting their grading system to fit her level, which is great. I'm glad they were individualizing there, but it wasn't addressing that underlying problem. She just kept falling further behind. So I requested an IEP and I met with the teacher and the um, school district's um, special education department. Um, and they said, well, we'll test her, but we really don't think it's necessary. She'll, she'll catch up. It'll be fine. This happens. And I'm like, no, we're going to do what we need to do. Um, so they did their independent testing and they came back and said, oh, no, she's fine. We're, it's fine. We don't need an IEP. We're good. And I said, no, there's something going on. You can't keep. And at this point, because I had dealt with the pediatrician pushing me aside, I was like, no, we're not, we're not playing games. Her brain, like I said, her brain development is changing. And I know that because of my field. Not everybody knows that. And so I kept and, I, and I'm a researcher, like if I, if I know something's not right, I'm starting to look into it. I'm starting to go, okay, could it be dyslexia? Could it be dyscalculia? Is there something going on with her that we're just missing? Because I'd work with her at home and that's what everybody kept telling me. Well, read with her at home and do this at home. And we did, we read every night. We, you know, we were doing things together every night. And it was like, why are we not progressing? It's so frustrating. It's like, I'm passing third grade for her. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so I, um, 
it was right before Christmas break. I remember I was like, I'm not taking this for an answer. I said, I'm going to take her to her doctor. I'm going to get her independently evaluated and you will get the results and we will be doing something. And I just remember the looks on their faces was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I will get back to you. So I contacted her pediatrician and I am so blessed to have good insurance. Let me say that because it was through my insurance, we were able to get a child psychologist to assess her. And through his assessment, like he met with my husband and I, we discussed Violet's development. We discussed our family relations, everything like that, you know, anything that could be causing her stress. And then he said, okay, I'm going to have you bring her in and it'll be about four hours of testing. But by the end of it, we should have an idea if she's dyslexic, if she has anything else going on, because I was mainly concerned with her being dyslexic that does run in my family. So I was like, okay, is this possible? My sister had issues. Could this be something that's just genetic? Was it four hours continuous? It was not. We went in and he, um, Violet's a little bit um, reserved. She doesn't like to just go with anybody. Um, and so what he did is he'd do a test with her and then he'd bring her back to me and she'd get to play for a little bit and talk to me. And then he'd go back and do another test. So, I mean, she's eight, seven, eight at this time. So she was kind of like, okay, she'd get a little break and go back. But she, and he got her a snack and all that. And um, she was able to to do it, but it did take about four hours, but that was with the breaks added in. Oh. So I'm like, okay, we'll take that because yeah, four hours of testing, you're not going to get, I wouldn't think accurate results. So through his testing, um, he was able to diagnose Violet with uh, ADHD, which completely surprised me. Um, I was used to, even the uh, girls I had in um, my pre-K classrooms that were diagnosed with that they were hyperactive. And Vi is anything but hyperactive. She is the most mellow, like no, you, you would never see her bouncing off the wall. She just doesn't do it. But she's um, extremely emotional and she is very impulsive. And that's what, what got her. Is there was a game that they had to play and she was supposed to hit the ball at a certain point, but she was always way ahead of when she needed to do it. Um, and so just her, he said, just based on her impulsiveness and then he had to keep bringing her back. She just kept, like, she'd be talking and then she'd be like, oh, and by the way, and she'd change the subject and go down another path completely. And he's like, all right, but this is what we're doing. We need to focus on this. So just that attention was not there. So um, the ADHD really shocked me when we got that. But then she was also diagnosed with uh, mild anxiety and, um, oh gosh, a slow visual processing. So when she sees it, it takes her a while to get the picture in her head and really figure it out. Um, so it just, she needs more time to kind of process what's going on in her environment. And so he gave us a, his report um, and he gave us a list of recommendations for the school. And then um, he said if they had any problems, they could contact him. So I contacted the school and I said, okay, we got our independent evaluation. We're gonna be meeting again. Um, they still denied her the IEP, but they did um, go ahead with a 504. So. And with that 504, it just allowed her just minor um, accommodations just to help her, like, so she gets a fidget. She can have a fidget on the bus because the noise on the bus causes her anxiety to be high. And then she can have a wiggle seat if she needs it. Um, her school was a proponent of the free seating. So that was never really an issue because they had the wiggle seats, they had cube chairs, they had bean bags. She could sit any way she needed to. Um, they also allowed her, uh, if they had one available, an extra aid to help with the reading and, and the processing of things. So that way she had more time as needed and a more one-on-one -on -one, because she didn't get it in the whole class. Like if, if the teacher was teaching the concept to the entire class, Vi was probably spaced out or she just didn't wasn't fast enough to understand what they were talking about. 
And so we've kept up with that and um, I keep up on her, her 504 and we do not medicate her. I did not feel that um, with her ADHD that it was severe enough for medication, if that makes sense. Um, I think that's kind of a personal choice parents have to make. Uh, we do struggle sometimes with tantrums. Um, they were fairly frequent and, and um, big um, not too long ago, but she's, she seemed to have hit a, like a, just a developmental shift and she's calmed down and doesn't have them as frequently. Um, she's very emotional though. I will be the first to say that we cry at the drop of a hat, but <laughs> um, I just, yeah, it, my whole thing is like, now I'm just, when she goes in, I, I teach her that she has to advocate for herself and she is older. So, you know, being nine, I'm like, you have to tell them I need a break. I need to walk. I don't understand. I'm like, you have to tell what you need because they can't read your mind. They really don't know what you need. And so she just very much, she'll go in and she's funny because she'll introduce herself and then she'll say, I have ADHD. And that means, and she'll tell them and she'll you know give them a little spiel about herself. So that way they, they understand. And it's funny because there's so many people that are like, oh, I totally understand. I have it. Or, you know, we'll get through this. Oh, right. It helps her just kind of, I was worried that, you know, that, that label, you see ADHD, like, oh gosh, this kid's going to be bouncing off the walls, which is not violet at all. Um, but it's, it's not been an issue with the label. And like I said, for her, it's, it's been a thing where she can explain why she doesn't understand something. Um, the, the thing that's hardest for me is I can help her with remote learning since we've been doing that. You know, I've been her teacher, <laughs> which has been, <laughs> ooh, it's been an experience. Um, I can, I can allow her the breaks and I can allow her to take her time, but I'm struggling with how do I teach her to process things? Because it's one of those skills. It's like, I don't know how you teach how to visualize it in your brain. It just happens. So um, <laughs> that's where I'm at. It's like, how do you did that? How did you do that? It just is in my head. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, but my, I guess my advice for parents is, is don't take no for an answer. If you think something's up and you, you really don't, it's, it's just not sitting right with you, push back, tell them you're not taking no and that don't be afraid to get that independent evaluation. Don't be afraid to tell them, okay, fine. You're not giving me an IEP, but you are going to make some adaptations because I mean, they were, they were denying things like a number line um, for math. You know, it, it, we're in third grade. We don't need those or manipulatives. And I'm like, yeah, but she does. You might not third grade, you know, typically developing third grader might not, but she does. So why can't she have them? What is it hurting? And I'm like, very much like you need to individualize for her, but that's that early childhood mindset. We individualize all day, every day. You know, we make those adjustments as needed for kiddos without even questioning why we would do that. I don't understand why we couldn't, I didn't understand. And I still don't understand why we can't do that when they're older, just because they're older doesn't mean they don't have any needs. <laughs> so my advice is just keep pushing, um, teach your child to advocate for themselves as they get older and don't take no for an answer. Just don't. And really advocate, 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 advocate. I think that's the big thing that came from from hearing your story is not only you advocate as a parent and kind of um, have that background, not background necessarily as an education, but just being able to kind of do your own research and say, no, I am going to have a meeting. No, this is going to happen. And then teaching your child to advocate once they get older. Yeah. And there's plenty of websites out there. I used, um, because like writing a formal letter to request an IEP was kind of intimidating for me. I'd never had to write a formal letter stating what I wanted and why I wanted that. Um, so when I wrote that and I gave it to the principal, the teacher and, um, to the super, not super, the um, special education department. So I wrote uh, one letter, but three copies and I, um, started using, I think it's understood 
um.org is the website. And I just kind of looked at their format and how to approach it because that was, that's kind of overwhelming for me. I, I just assumed that people would see the issue and they would want to fix it too. So it never occurred to me that I would have to be the one to be like, mm, it's not normal that she's reading at a first grade level in third grade. What's going on here? And why are we just accepting this? Why aren't we going, well, what, what else could be happening? Um, like I said, um, I was worried about dyslexia and that's, that is commonly one of the most missed things. Um, and they don't test for it. And a lot of them don't have the um, necessary equipment and people to test for it. So that's where I was like, well, we'll go to outside source because I don't believe that your tests are accurate. <laughs> I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did because it, you know, it, ultimately we did get her the help she needed. It was just a, a process and a lot of like, I'm not taking no, and I'm, I'm not a confrontational person. So for me, it was way out of my comfort zone. And finally, at one point I was like, okay, I'm, I'm bringing my husband because he can be a little bit more assertive than I am. And so I, um, I think it was the final meeting right when we were trying to write our 504, I said, you're going with me and you're going to tell them she needs these accommodations and we're not taking no. And he's like, okay. And he went and they, they were like, okay, yeah, no problem. And I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, I had so much pushback. And now they're like, yeah, okay, no problem. <laughs> so yeah, but just push and bring in people if you need, if you need that support, if you need somebody that is going to be a little bit more assertive, don't be afraid to bring them along. Um, surround yourself and, and just push. That's all I can the only advice I can give is, is just do what's right for your child because you know your child better than anybody and you know when something is just not right. Well, Cecilia, this has been um, fantastic listening to your story. It's been, I'm hoping, inspirational to families who are listening who may be finding those roadblocks and those barriers and really um, hearing that you are not a confrontational person and knowing you, I know that I can attest to that. Um, but really advocating for your, for your child and knowing what's best and really kind of taking that parent instinct and saying, no, there is actually something going on and I'm going to keep fighting until, until that's addressed. Um, so thank you so much for taking time today to, um, to share your story. Yeah. Thank you.